Happy holiday, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcast, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And today's episode is entitled, Fighting the Grim Reaper. (laughs) So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted today are the popular Suspense, as well as the popular radio series Inner Sanctum. Our first radio play is entitled Dead Earnest. Now this was a very, very popular episode on suspense right after Sorry Wrong Number. And this was first broadcasted on August 8th, 1946. Following that is a request. The radio play The Corridor of Doom which was first broadcasted on Inner Sanctum, October 23rd, 1948, and starring the legendary Boris Karloff. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Dead Earnest, followed by The Corridor of Doom. Now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world, Roma Wines present... Suspense! Tonight, Roma Wines bring you an all-star cast of Hollywood radio players headed by Wally Mayer in Dead Earnest, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spears. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now, a glassful would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you a remarkable tale of... Suspense! Accident report submitted to Police Inspector Blandon from Lieutenant Steve Healy. Place, 15th Street and 4th Avenue. Time, 2.45 p.m., March 11th. Remarks. Ernest Bowers, age 34, was crossing the intersection as a signal light changed from green to red. A car driven by Theodore Toby made legal right turn from 15th Street into 4th Avenue. Hey, hey, look out! Look out for the car! Stand back. Let me have a look here. Is he hurt bad, officer? I didn't see him. Honest, I didn't. I had the right away. Hey, he's passed out. Hey, one of you people call for an ambulance. I'll go. Oh, yeah, yeah, you. Go on. Okay, move back. Move back. He's bleeding. Here, I'll, I'll prop up his head. Yeah, yeah, use his jacket. Here, I'll hold him. My golly, he's limp. Feels just like he's dead. 
Yes, Ernest Bowers felt like he was dead. Ernest Bowers suffered from catalepsy, a strange disease. He carried at all times a note in his inside jacket pocket stating that he was a cataleptic and that in the event of seeming death, his wife should be immediately notified or his doctor in the event his wife is unavailable. The letter also requested that no autopsy or embalming should be performed on his body for 72 hours. Although in his particular case, the duration of the attacks were usually four hours or less. Ernest Bowers also wore a sterling silver bracelet with an inscription reading, Do not embalm me. I am not dead. Catalepsy is a disease of the nerves and mind. The physical condition of the cataleptic when he's under a spell closely resembles death in all aspects, including the primary stages of rigor mortis. Officer Abbott was on the scene of the accident. He administered first aid to the injured man before making out his report. Well, that to stop the bleeding. Looks like just a cut in his forehead when he hit the ground. Nothing much. He can't be hurt bad, officer. I, I didn't hit him hard. Yeah, that's right. It, it looked like just a little bump. All right, all right. Clear back, clear back. Let's have a little air in here. I'll have to take down some information. All right, what's your name? Theodore Toby. Here's my license. Hey, hey, you kids! Hey, what'd those kids do? They picked up something off the street. I saw them. There's the ambulance. Oh, here it comes. Gee, I hope he's all right. It doesn't look like he's breathing. My gosh, he ain't. I told you to get back. Come on now, he's back, he's back, all of you. Uh, glad you got here, Doctor. He's out cold. Oh, officer. Now, let's have a look here. Yeah. I'll see he is. All right, let's get him away. He's dead. Well, anyway, it didn't happen in the ambulance. Okay, we'll take him away. Uh, keep them back, officer, will you? All right, keep All right, back, come on. keep back, clear out. Let's go. All right, the show's over. Ah, uh, that's the second one today. Yep, well, let's go. Hey, whose coat was that he was laying on? I don't know. Uh, did you pick it up? No. Hey, hey, officer. Yeah? Uh, where's the coat? Huh? Oh, my gosh, it's gone. Uh, okay, never mind. Let's go, Payne. Ernest Bowers had lost the identification of his condition. The letter was in the inside pocket of his jacket. The silver chain he wore on his left wrist had snapped and fallen to the pavement. Two youngsters picked up the chain. Robert Minnelli, age nine and a half, and Tommy Stoner, eight. Hey, that cop yelled at us. Did you hear him? Yeah. Maybe we should give it back. No, what for? So he can keep it? Let's go around the back to your father's shop, Bob. It sure is a nice chain. Hey, there's writing on it. Maybe it's the guy's name. Was he hurt bad? Nah, just a little bump. Hey, what's, it, what's it say? Just a second. We'll be out of the alley. Yeah, Pop's gone home to eat. Well, let me see it. Wait a second, will you? It says, do not involve, do not something me. I am not dead. It's screwy. What'll we do with it? Sell it, Dopey. But that's stealing, Bob. It ain't stealing. We found it, didn't we? But when we try to sell it, they'll ask us where we got it. What do we tell them? Nothing. Use your head. You know what we'll do? What? We'll use Pop's welding torch. We'll melt it down. He told us not to use it. Pop ain't here, is he? No. Well, come on. There it is. Yeah. Here, put it on that brick. Okay? Yeah. Be careful. You don't know too much about this, you know. What are you kids doing? Huh? Ah! Ah! 
Oh, Pop. Nothing, Mr. Manelli. We ain't doing nothing. Nothing, eh? I thought I told you kids not to go near that torch. We want to melt this down. Give me that. Eh. Now, what's this all about? We found this chain, Papa, and we want to melt it down and sell it. Who's is it? Well, we don't know, do we, Tommy? No, no, we don't. Uh, well, you get it. We found it. Come on, come on, let me have it. Uh, there's nothing wrong, Pop. We just found it, see? It's ours. Let me see, say something here. Do not uh, em, embalm me. I'm not dead. Okay. What's that? That's Chloe. Where you find it? In the street. Honest, Papa. Ask Tommy. All right. Go on, get out of here. Well, uh, how about melting it down, Pop? We can sell it and buy some baseball. All right, I'm going to keep back. Look at Tommy, see it? Yeah. Starting to melt. Uh-huh. See how he does it? Keep away, I told you. It's all melted. They sold the melted chain to a dealer for a dollar thirty. One dollar and thirty cents. But the coat, the coat was the principal thing. In the coat, in the inside pocket was the letter. The information about Bauer's condition was in the letter. The instructions that could save his life. The coat was picked up from the street by Honest Jerry Murdoch. Now there's a big sign near the corner of 15th Street. It says, Honest Jerry Murdoch, swap shop. He brought the coat into a store, rummaged around on his shelves until he found some cleaner, then started to clean the bloodstains. Uh, I'm looking for a sport jacket. Uh, just a minute. Now, what kind? Conservative. Uh, will you come over here, please? Yeah. Yeah, something on that order. Pick out what you want. How much do you want to spend? Oh, about five bucks. <laughs> These cost more. How much? From eight to twelve. Over here, we got some cheaper. Oh, these don't look so hot for eight bucks. Eight to twelve. Over here... Well, I'll uh, take a look. Mm. No, these don't appeal to me. What size do you wear? Forty. Well, uh, here, we'll try this one on. Nice and conservative. <laughs> it's kind of tight around the shoulders. Yeah, it looks cheesy. Huh? Well, I guess you ain't no, got... No, wait a minute, I'm... wait a minute. What's your hurry? I'm just putting a new one in stock. Over here with the counter. Huh? Yeah, it looks all right. What size is it? I don't know. Here, here try it on. Okay. Yeah, it feels all right. Sure. Kind of stiff in front here, though. Well, it's almost new, ain't it? You'll break it in. Feels like cardboard or something. You want it? Five dollars. Okay. There still might be a couple of stains on it I ain't had time to take out. Use some cleaner on it or bring it to the tailors. It'll be better than new. Yeah. Here's the five. Ernest Bowers was brought to the receiving room of the Better General Hospital. The time, 4.10. If Bowers was going to awaken, it would probably be before 6.45. Intern on duty, Dr. Weldon made out his report. He wrote it down while standing near the telephone switchboard. Uh, listen, honey, uh, get this guy's wife on the phone if he's got a wife. Here, just now. Here's his wallet. Another dead one? Yeah, dead as a mackerel. Ain't gonna stay that way, too. His home phone is here. I'll give it a whirl. This is Better General Hospital. Is there anybody by the name of Bowers at home? That's Bowers. B O W. Just a minute. She's going to see. How did it happen? Accident. 
Automobile hit him. Funny. What's funny? Superficial cut on forehead. Apparently heart failure. I'm going to request an autopsy. I'd like to find out whether the heart disease was chronic. Hello. Here she is again. Nope, nobody home. Uh, is Mr. Bowers married? His wife says he is. Uh, where can I reach her? There's been an accident. I don't know. She's out. Well, you tell her to call the Vetter General Hospital. Yeah. What happened? Mr. Bowers is dead. Can't reach her, eh? No. Gee, I'd sure like to do that autopsy. Maybe later, after he's gone to the morgue. Get me the orderly room. Okay, use that one over there, here. Okay. Hello? Uh, hello, Payne? Yeah. Uh, this is Dr. Weldon. There's a delivery for you to go to the morgue. Hello? Yep. Well, I ain't had nothing to eat since... Yeah, 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 since lunch. Go on, now. It's down in the receiving room, receiving room B. Papers are down there, too. Can't I wait a few minutes? It's got to go now. They'll want to start the embalming so they can go home. How about sending one of the other boys? I don't care, just as long as it gets there. It was then 4.22 in the afternoon. Dr. Theodore J. Weldon left uh, Honey at the switchboard and walked upstairs to the intern quarters and settled down to reading the sports page of the afternoon paper. At that moment, if anyone had been in receiving room B of Vetter General Hospital where the body of Ernest Bowers lay on the patient carrier, they would have seen a fly crawl slowly across the face of the dead man, and they would have seen his nose twitch. suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you an all-star cast of Hollywood radio players headed by Wally Mayer in Dead Earnest, a radio play by Celie Lester and Merwin Girard. Roma Wines presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of suspense, this is Ken Niles for Roma Wines. Yesterday, I read an article listing 20 ways to beat this dog day heat. Among them were taking noon naps, soaking wrists in ice water, and taking salt tablets. But none sounded half so pleasant as my favorite cooler offer, Roma Wine and Soda Iced. Yes, Roma Wine and Soda is one of Hollywood's favorite ways to keep cool. And no wonder, for Roma Wine and Soda is so light, so right, so easy to serve. And believe me, so cool to come home to. Just half fill tall glasses with Roma California Sauterne or Burgundy or any other Roma wine type of your choice. Then simply add ice and sparkling water. In seconds, you're enjoying America's smartest, coolest summer refresher. And remember, because Roma is selected for you from the world's greatest wine reserves... Refreshers made with Roma are better tasting naturally. So, for cool contentment all summer long at low cost, serve and enjoy Roma Wine and Soda. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, largest selling wine in all history. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage, Wally Mayer who, as Police Lieutenant Healy, heads an all-star cast of Hollywood radio players in Dead Earnest, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. In 
Henry Prince had purchased the coat in which was the letter that could save the life of Ernest Bowers. When Henry Prince left the second-hand clothes store, he stopped to have a chat with some friends, made some purchases at the grocery store, and started home. The time, a few minutes after five. He lived about two blocks from the scene of the accident. His wife was waiting for him. Why, well, how do you like it for five bucks? It looks all right. What's that? Hmm? A spot? Where? Take it off a second. Well, sure, yeah. I wonder what it is. Oh, he said there were a couple of spots. Clean will yeah. take them out. Yeah, looks like a mess. What's this in the pocket? Hmm? I don't know. Oh, honestly. To whom it may concern, please open and read. Oh, that's what must have felt stiff. Yeah. This note is carried on my person wherever I go. It is to advise responsible parties that I am a cataleptic. That if it appears as though I am dead, I am not. And that my body is not to be molested for a period of 72 hours, neither by autopsy nor by embalming. Although the maximum periods of my attacks usually do not exceed four hours, please telephone my wife, Mrs. Margaret Bowers, at Fulton 11231. This is a boarding house, address 841 and 1 half West 25th Street. If she is not there, please try Ex-Minister 43422. This is the number of Dr. Benton. It is of vital importance. It may mean my life. Thank you, Ernest Bowers. Yeah, that's a funny one. Where'd you get the coat, Henry? An honest Jerry Murdoch's. I wonder what we can do. Well, nothing's probably forgotten already. Somebody sold the coat to him, forgot to take the letter out. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something a guy'd forget. Oh, no, the devil would it. Well, it might be important. Look at that, Henry. Th- those spots look like blood. Nah, too dark. That's the color blood turns. I'm going to telephone that number. Go ahead. I think you're wasting your time. Well. Why do you bother with things like this? Hello. Uh, I'd, I'd like to talk to Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Bowers. She ain't in. Well, how do you know you didn't she even go... She went out, and you ain't the first after her. Who else wanted to get in touch with her? Oh, somebody. I don't know who. Huh. Well, thank you. Hey, see, you're wasting your time. Yeah, well, I'm going to try that, that Dr. Benton. Let's see. Minister, four, three, two, two. Look, I'm hungry. Oh, it's busy. How about some dinner? It's cooking, it's cooking. You know, I just can't get it out of my head. That guy, whoever he is, lying there and people thinking him dead when he ain't. Maybe doing things to him. What's embalming? Well, they do that at the morgue. It's preparing his body for burial. I think they take all the blood out of his veins. Well, that'd kill him if, if he wasn't already dead. Well, it couldn't kill him no deader. Henry, I'm going to find out about that coat. Where, where's this place you bought it? Honest, Jerry? No, wait a minute, Francis. I put in a good day's work. I'm tired. Well, listen. I don't want to run around the city looking for someone I don't even know about. Well, I'll go myself. Yeah, and how about me at home here while you go out? I want to eat. I'm hungry. Well, dinner won't be ready for another 15 minutes anyway. Where is the place? Oh, all right. I'll go with you. <laughs> Well, he ain't back yet. Well, what's the sign say? Ten minutes? Yeah, but those guys put up signs like that if they're going away for an hour. Well, we'll just wait a few more minutes, Henry. Oh, come on, Francis. Yeah, I yeah, hello? Close the door. Uh, hello, is, is Mrs. Bowers in? No. Uh, Mr. Bowers? No, he's dead. Oh, 
Oh, he is? Yeah, that's what they tell me. Well, look, would You're you You're bothering me, lady. I got a meal set up on the table. I can't be answering a million questions. Yeah, yeah, but look, all I want to know is when Mr. Bowers died. How do I know? Ask Mrs. Bowers. She'll be home soon. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Well? Well, Mr. Bowers is dead. Found that out. Well, you see, I told you. Well, what about the letter, then? What if he ain't dead? What if they only think he's dead? Well, what do you want to do, wait here all night? No, I'm going to go down to that place where you bought the coat. You going traipsing around the whole city? Well, if I have to. Well, without me, then. Well, do as you please. I'll be home. I'm hungry. If you think more of a crazy letter than you do of feeding your own husband, then that's all. What do you mean, that's all? Just what I said, that's all. The trouble with you is you just don't have no imagination. No, I just don't have no imagination. I'm just a home-loving guy. That's all. I don't go sticking my nose where it don't belong. Well, go on home, then. I'll find out about it. Oh, busy, busy, busy. How can a doctor's line be always busy? Hey, uh, pardon me. Sure, sure. What do you have? I, I just want to find out about the man next door. Do you, do you know when he'll come back? Oh, honest, Jerry? No. Any there? No, there, there's a sign in his door. It says he'll be back in ten minutes. I've been waiting for him more than a half hour. Oh, maybe he went home. Oh, yeah. Do you know where he lives? Search me, lady. Uh, he will come back. He's usually there when we close up here. That's about seven o'clock. Yeah, okay, thank you. Officer. Yes, ma'am? Uh, officer, do, do you know where the fellow who owns that, uh, that swap shop lives? Oh, ma'am, I don't. Oh. Well, I just wanted to get in touch with him. There's a sign on his oh, door. Why don't you it? ask him, ma'am? There he is now, just oh. going in. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Mr. Murdoch. Mr. Murdoch. Yeah? Oh, gee, Mr. Murdoch, I'm glad you came back. Oh, I was just having a bite to eat. Yeah. Come on in. Thank you. What can I do for you? You uh, you sold my husband a jacket, a sport jacket, this afternoon. Did I? What kind? Uh, light blue, and it, it had a few stains on it. Oh, sorry. I can't take anything back once it's sold. No, 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 that isn't it. I don't want to give it back. Where'd you get it, Mr. Murdoch? I don't even know which one you're talking about. You know, I sell a well, lot of... It must of have been it just a few hours ago. Blue, blue with, uh, with thin red boxes. Oh. What about it? Where'd you get it? What do you want to know for? Well, uh, because there was a letter in it, an important letter... I don't know. How can I remember where I got it? Long ago. Was it very long ago? I don't see where it's any of your business where I got it. Mr. Burn, it, it may be important. I've been trying to reach the numbers. The doctor's number's always busy, and his his wife isn't home yet. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Please, now I'm busy. I got lots to do. But you must cl- tell me. Just look, look. Just tell me one thing. Did you have the jacket in here a long time? Well, Please, uh, it's it's very important. Let me see. No, that, no, I just got in this afternoon. Oh, you did? Where, where did you get it? You said one question. You asked it, I answered it. That's all. There was blood on it. That I can't help. Now, if you'll excuse no, me, I... No, no, you got to tell me. I don't have to tell nobody nothing. Mr. Murdoch, look, I may be all wrong. I'm probably just crazy doing this, but if that man's alive and they do anything to him, I'll just never get over it. I'll never be able to live with myself. What are you talking about? Listen, listen, there was a letter in the inside pocket of that jacket. You see, it said that Ernest Bowers was a cataleptic. What's that? And... You mean he goes into fits? No, no, no. It's... A, a, a cataleptic is somebody who looks like he's he's dead at times, you see, and, oh. and he isn't. He goes into a spell and it looks as though he's dead. Yeah. Sometimes they take dead bodies to the morgue, they embalm them. That means they take all the blood out of their veins. Now, now this fellow Bowers is a cataleptic. I don't know whether he's dead or alive, or even if he's worrying about this letter. But, uh, but I got to find out. Yeah, I. Uh, well, there was a. What? What? An accident before the. Where? Who was in it? I don't know. 
Believe me, lady, I didn't know anything all about this, all this. Wait, you think this guy who was taken away in an ambulance was a catalepsy? That coat. That coat, was it his? Yeah, lady, but it was left there in the street. They drove away and left it. Who? The ambulance. What ambulance? Oh, now, I don't know. It was on the corner. The cop was there. He told somebody to call an ambulance. It come and took away the man. Is, is, is that the cop out there now? Yeah. Oh, but look, you got to protect me. I ain't done anything wrong. I don't do anything like, like this has happened. I would never take it. Officer. Listen, officer. Officer. Ernest Bowers lay on a slab at the morgue. If he were alive, probabilities were that he would regain consciousness about 6.45. The two embalmers on duty at the time had decided to get a bite to eat when the phone rang. Yeah, but we're going out to eat. Yeah, I know another one just came in. We got it here. Well, what's the rush? No, no, no. We just want to grab a cup of coffee and then we'll get right on. Well, is it our fault if it comes in just when we want to have a... Huh? Or we can go home after? Oh, well, that puts a different complexion on... Okay. Yeah. Hey, what time is it, Tony? Uh, 6.30. Doc says if we embalm this one now, we can go home. Well, let's start in then. I'm hungry. Okay. Let's start the motor. That's a young guy, ain't he? Yeah. You know, I was speaking to the wife about that yesterday. Oh, get the injector out, Tony. She was saying more and more people die older and older. Yeah, yeah, looks like we can open through the neck. Yeah, give me a piece of that gauze. Yeah, I said to her she should be around this place a while. We get them all ages. Hey, want me to do it? No, that's all right. You get the injector ready. Hey, look at him. You know, you never think that such a little thing like his heart stops beating could make him dead and not alive. Yeah, hold it steady now, will you? Yeah. You ready? Hey, just a second. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Huh. Oh, what's the matter? Huh. My glasses. They're clouding up. Well, take them off. I'll just clean them. What'd the wife say to that? What? Oh, about all ages? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she didn't have anything to say. Only that most of the guys we deal with probably come to a violent end. Well, there's something in that. Okay. I got my glasses cleaned. Let's... Hmm. What's the matter? They're steamed up again. You know, every time I bend over near... I wonder. What? Ah, it must be my imagination. What? I could have sworn this guy was breathing on my glasses. Well, is he? No, how could he? Well, come on, and let's go. It's quarter to seven already. Yeah. Hold it, hold it. I get the phone. Now, let's get started first. Okay. I will just... Al. What? Hi. Hi. What's the matter with you? Yeah. I thought I saw the guy's hands twitch. Oh, don't be silly. Oh, boy. It gave me a scare. Hey, let's wait a second. I'll get the phone. No, no, it'll probably be another job and we'll never get out of here. Now, let it ring. That might be my wife. Well, if people are going to hang up faster than you can pick up the phone. Well, all right. Come on, now. Let's get this thing over with. All right. Okay. Uh, give me the knife again. All right. I'll make a nice, neat little insert. Hey, Tony. Yeah? Now, look. I'm bent over like this, see? I ain't going to move. My glasses are full of steam again. Oh, Lord! Is... Is he alive? Hey, look at me. I'm shaking all over. Look at him, Al. Look at his lips. Listen. I... I... Okay, shut that thing off.
Apparently, the life of Ernest Bowers was worth $1.30 for a silver bracelet and $5 for a bloodstained jacket to Honest Jerry Murdoch. Their petty thefts brought a man to the brink of death. As for the busy telephone in Dr. Benton's office, it wasn't busy at all. The good doctor had unwittingly replaced the receiver on the stand incorrectly. There's uh, just one more episode which perhaps doesn't belong in an accident report, but which I would like to include. After regaining full consciousness, Ernest Bowers put in a telephone call from the moor. Hello, Mrs. Raleigh. Uh, is uh, Mrs. Bowers in? I don't know. I didn't see her come in. Josie, see if Mrs. Bowers is home. Who is it? This is Mr. Bowers. Uh, who? Mr. Bowers? They told me it was dead. The hospital called yeah, and said... I know, Mrs. Raleigh, but they made a mistake. Oh, well, here she is. Hello? Ernest? Where are you? Well, darling, it's quite a long story. Well, never you mind see... that. You just get right home, you hear? Dinner's getting ice cold. <laughs> Suspense, presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Ken Niles for Roma Wines. Perhaps you've noticed how summer's open doors and backyard living promote neighborliness. How often these warm days, casual over-the-fence invitations mark the start of pleasant, friendly evenings. More and more, the keynote of such friendly hospitality is Roma Wine Lemonade. A tall, cold refresher that's an invitation to settle back and enjoy life. Guests enjoy the tangy, thirst-quenching refreshment of Roma Wine Lemonade. Hosts acclaim Roma Wine Lemonade because it costs so little, is so easy to prepare. You simply squeeze half lemons into tall glasses, add ice, and pour three-quarters full with Roma California Burgundy or any other Roma wine type you prefer. Then fill with water, sweeten to taste... And you have refreshers that make thirst a pleasure. And remember, Roma wines are selected from the world's greatest wine reserves. That's why refreshers made with Roma are better tasting every time. So insist on Roma. R-O-M-A. Roma wines. Enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. Next Thursday, same time, Roma Wines will bring you Mr. Henry Danielle as star of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries, starring Boris Karloff. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. 
This is your host. Welcome again through the squeaking door to another session of mystery, murder, and madness. Oh, excuse me if I don't get up, but I'm all worn out. Yes, I've had a hectic few days with an old friend who just blew into town. He's one of those earnest souls who insists on doing everything for himself. Consultations with the monument makers, the grave diggers, fittings of the coffin maker. Yes, quite a busy body. But then we only die once, you know. (laughs) These friends of yours, they're such unhappy people. They never seem to enjoy life. Never seem interested in any of the quiet, peaceful, good things of life. For instance, what's the use of telling one of your spooky characters about Lipton tea? They wouldn't like it. But other people enjoy that brisk Lipton flavor. They settle back in an easy chair and say to themselves, Mmm, Lipton certainly has a rich, hearty flavor. Never the least bit wishy-washy. No siree. But would a ghost appreciate Lipton's? Indeed, he would not. And it's lucky Lipton's is made for real live folks who like good things. Or else it wouldn't be the world's largest selling brand of tea. Mary, you've been very hard on my friends. Very. And they won't like it. But then most live folks don't enjoy being scared to death. And that's just what's going to happen to you tonight. Our story is called The Corridor of Doom. It's an original radio play written by Robert Newman. And our star tonight... And the man who gives even me the shakes. The famous star of stage, screen, and radio, Boris Karloff. Have you thought about death lately? Not the fact that it's inevitable, that it must come to all of us someday, but rather how it will come. Do you think of it as a sleep and a waking, of a sudden transition from one state of being to another, or to a state of non-being? John Clay was one of those people who never thought about it at all. Until he found himself walking down that dim and endless passage which... But suppose we let Boris Karloff in the role of John Clay tell you about it himself. If your blood pressure will take it, put out the lights and come on a little trip down the corridor of doom. When I woke up, I had no idea of where I was or how I'd gotten there. I was lying on a hard, white bed in a clean, white room. There was a dull pain in my abdomen. Touching it tentatively, I felt a bandage. So that was it. An operation. But for what? And where was I? At that moment, the door opened. And she came in. Good afternoon. Or is it evening? Whichever you prefer. It doesn't matter. My name's Clay. John Clay. Yes. And yours? You can call me Nada. Exactly. Where am I? In what hospital? It has no name. What? But that's ridiculous. I'd like to speak to Dr. Rogers. If you'll get him for me, please. There is no Dr. Rogers. At least, not here. Then who operated on me? And for what? Listen, I'm not a well man. I have a very bad heart. Will you get someone who can talk to me? If you wish. I'll call Dr. Stone. A chill 
crept through my bones. It wasn't cold. It was fear. Unreasoning and abysmal fear. The door opened again. And there stood a heavy-set man, his hair flecked with grey. And with him, my son-in-law, Alex Bartlett. Alec, I can't tell you how glad I am to see you. Hello, Father. But why are you standing out there? Why don't you come in? Oh, no. No, I I shouldn't advise it, Mr. Clay. And why not? And why... Was it you who operated on me? Yes. I'm Dr. Stone. Why wasn't Dr. Rogers called in? He's taken care of me for years. There wasn't time. It happened during the night. Acute appendicitis. And even as it was... Even as it was? What? And why are you dressed that way, Alec? All in black. Well, it's customary. After all, you are my father-in-law. Of course I am, but... Now, look, Alec. You've got to stop being so mysterious. You know about my heart, what any sudden shock will do. I don't think you need worry about that anymore, Mr. Clay. And as far as the mystery is concerned, this initial period of adjustment is always a little difficult. Difficult? Do you realize what it's like lying here helpless, completely isolated, as if I were all alone in the world? Or isn't there someone I can talk to? Some of the other patients? Not just yet. When the time comes, you'll meet them. But... Look, Doctor, I can't stand much more of this. I can't. If I don't find someone who really cares about me, who'll treat me like a normal human being... My dog. How about my dog? What do you think, Doctor? Yes, that's possible. We'll see what we can do, Mr. Clay. Come along, Bartlett. Goodbye, Father. You... You'll be back, won't you, Alec? I don't know. I'll try, but it's difficult. Very difficult. Then then don't go, Alec. Don't leave me here all alone. Come back. Come back. I waited and watched. Watched and waited. Then the door opened and there was the doctor again. There was a small, thin-faced man with him this time, wearing the white coat of an orderly and carrying a black box with a handle. My dog. You brought my dog. All right, Martin. Give it to him. Yes, sir. Hey, oh, sir. thank heaven. Now, at least. Come on, Kerry. Come on, boy. Get up. Wake up. Why, what's the matter? Kerry. He... He's not asleep. He's dead. You wanted him, Mr. Clay. But... But why didn't you tell me? When did he die? How? How old was he? Eleven and a half. Maybe twelve. Pretty old for a dog. That's probably why he could come. What do you mean? What are you trying to do to me? Don't you realize I'm a sick man? Easy, easy, Mr. I won't take it easy. I won't stay here another minute. I'm leaving right now. Sorry, but I don't think we can permit it. Oh, well, we'll see about that. You're getting yourself all upset for no reason, Mr. Clay. Making it very difficult for the rest of us. Martin, you'd better let me have some of that that bottle there. About 10 cc's. The uh, red medicine? Yes. I I don't want any medicine. I I won't take it. Now, please, Mr. Clay. I won't, I tell you. No, I I don't want the... Oh, it's awful. Salty. It... It tastes like... Yes. 
But I think you'll find that it will make things much easier for you. Very much easier. You're, you're doping me up. That's what you're doing. Putting me to sleep. You, you think that when I wake up, I'll, I'll forget about everything. Yes, Mr. Clay. You'll forget about everything. Everything. Somewhere deep down under the earth. It was a passageway, stone flagged and with stone walls, and I was walking slowly down it in my bare feet. I could feel the chill of the cold stones through the thick layer of dust. The passageway stretched ahead of me endlessly, and suddenly I noticed that there were doors set into the walls on either side, closed doors. And on each door there was a name. Abel. Abercrombie. Abington. Where was I? What was this place? What was behind those awful, ominously closed doors? Something seemed to be drawing me on. On down the terrible passageway. Addison. Hager. Allen. I could feel the cold creeping up my legs, higher and higher, my heart pounding faster and faster. And suddenly I knew, knew where I was and where I was going. Knew what was waiting for me there ahead of me down the passage. Exerting all my will, I turned, trying to go back. With a roaring in my ears, I was falling through the darkness. my eyes, I was in that cold, white room again, clutching the blankets with trembling hands. How do you feel now, Mr. Clay? You cried out, sir, as if... A dream. The most awful, horrible nightmare I ever had. A dream? The doctor will be very interested. Would you care to tell me all about it? Oh, I don't even want to think about it. It was about your former life? Former life? Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I meant... Here, where are you going? Get my clothes to get out of here. I won't stay but here. But you can't minute. go. You can't, Martin. Help me. Please, oh, let go, me. Let go. Don't you, oh, don't you realize that if I do stay here, if I dream that dream again? Listen. I was in a passageway. An endless, eternal passageway like a corridor of doom. It stretched on and on to infinity with doors, closed doors on either side. And on each one of the doors in alphabetical order, there was a name. The name of all those who had died since the beginning of time. I was walking down that corridor on my bare feet and... Why? Why are you looking at me that way? You mustn't talk about that. You mustn't, do you hear? But but you asked me... You didn't dream that dream. You couldn't have. And you've got to get it out of your mind. We'll help you. We'll give you a massage. That should make you relax. The alcohol, Martin, right over there. A massage? You think that'll help? If it doesn't, we'll call Dr. Stone. Try something else. Martin. I see. Now what? What are you staring at? Your... Your feet. Mm, On the soles. Dust. Thick, gray dust. (gasps) Dust. Like the dust in the passage. The corridor of doom. And that means... It wasn't a dream. It means... 
I was really there. Dirty feet on those nice, clean sheets. No wonder our friend the nurse seemed so upset. Or was that the reason? Maybe she was just disappointed that he still hadn't told her about his operation. Yes, that always has them in stitches. Great big stitches. Like the ones they take in a shroud. Mr. Host, I'm afraid I just can't believe this story. I can't believe that it really happened. Is that so, Mary? You think Mr. Clay got that gray dust in his feet because he has feet of clay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go again. Always looking on the discouraging side of things. I really do believe I'd rather talk to cheerful folk, like those nice young men and women who sang that new Lipton tea song when I was at the studio, sing a song of Lipton's. Yes, that's the way people ought to feel about tea. Because, you know, when you're feeling discouraged or tired, there's nothing quite like that brisk flavor of Lipton tea to perk you up. Yes, brisk means that Lipton's is never wishy-washy. No, no, no siree, as they say in the song. So when you've had a busy afternoon, or maybe when friends drop in for a little talk, pour yourself a cup of cheer with brisk-flavored Lipton tea. It's got a special flavor that always tastes like home. And it always tastes like more, too. Well, now I think it's about time to take another little walk. Yes, down the corridor of doom. With our star, Boris Karloff. And by the way... Don't be concerned about getting too tired, because you'll only have to walk one way. That's the nice part of a trip like that. You don't have to worry about coming back. <laughs> I lay there, staring down at my feet. No, it had not been a dream. But there, on my feet, was the thick, heavy dust from the corridor of doom. I had been there. Walking down its awful silence, not in my mind, but in the flesh. My heart clenched like an icy fist that I threw the blankets aside, started to get up. Mr. Clay, what are you doing? Where are you going? Let me go. But you can't get up. You can't leave. Oh, no, let me go. Martin, I quick, said... help me. Please, Mr. Oh, Clay. Oh, for heaven's sake, let me go. Don't you realize what this means? If it wasn't a dream, and if I stay here, go down to that horrible place We've again... We've got to make him quiet down. Some more of that medicine, Martin. Oh. Another 10 cc. Right. Oh, oh, no, no more of that. It's here, Mr. Clay. You must take it. You must. It will make you sleep. Sleep so soundly that you won't be able to go down there again. No, but... All right. Give it to me. Here. You stay here, Martin. I'll go get Dr. Stone and tell him. Better, Mr. Clay? I don't know. Color. Dark red. Taste. It's like... Yes, I know. And he makes me sleepy. My eyes get heavy and... Have you been here for a long time, Martin? No, not long. What... What is it like... outside of this room? It's... strange. Like no place else. And the other patients? What are they like? They're strange, too. Listen, Martin... I'm a rich man. You're the only friend I've got here. You, you've got to help me. Whether you're rich or poor doesn't matter. As for helping you, that's what I'm here for. You've got to stay here. Watch me. Every minute. 
My heart. I don't think it'll stand much My first sensation was one of cold, numbing cold, creeping up my limbs. I reached for the blankets, couldn't find them. Then I opened my eyes, and I was there again, back there in that awful endless passage, that corridor of doom. The same stone wall, stone floor, covered with a thick layer of dust. The same doors with a name on each one on both sides of me. But now... Now I was up to the bees. That one there, Barber, next with Babbitt and then Backer. I tried to cry out, but I couldn't utter a sound. I tried to stop, check myself. My muscles didn't respond. Slowly, heavily, I continued walking on down that endless passage. Past Badger, Baffin, Bagley, past the bees and towards the seas. Towards a door... With my name on it, my heart pulsed, pounding with terror, my breath rasped in my throat, convulsively I clutched at the walls, forced myself completely around. Then, as if I were fighting against a roaring gale, I drove myself back. One step I took, two, three, and I stumbled. I was falling again. Falling through darkness, complete, absolute, unending. Even before I opened my eyes, I knew where I was. Back in my room, the sheets crumpled in my sweating hands. I lay there for a moment. I knew that this was my last chance... I knew where I was. Back in my room, the sheets crumpled in my sweating hands. Slipped out of bed, tiptoed to the door of the room, opened it a crack and peered out a hospital corridor. And sitting at a desk halfway down at the nurse. Could I slip past her? Then on a table next to the door, I saw the telephone. A telephone! Now I could get help. Would someone who would save me, take me out of this place... Picking it up quietly, I dialed my daughter's number, Alec Bartlett's wife. Hello? Jane? Oh, thank heaven. Hello? Jane, it's your father. Listen, you've got to help me. You've got to come and get me. I'm at the hospital. Alec hello? knows where... Hello, is anyone there? Yes, can't you hear me? Didn't you hear what I said? It's your father and... Jane, Jane! Hung up. I heard her, but she couldn't hear me. Something wrong with the phone, her phone. I've got to get hold of somebody, somebody, but who? Dr. Rogers? Oh, might be out. And if they come in while I'm phoning... Oh, I know, of course. Hello, police. This is John Clay of Riverside Road. I'm at the hospital. I don't know where. Hello? Can't you hear me, officer? For heaven's sake, listen. It's a matter of life and death. John Clay at a hospital. My son-in-law, Alec Bartlett, can tell you where. Hello? Officer, officer, listen. Don't hang up. Don't. Officer, officer, hello. Anything the matter, Mr. Clay? Uh, Dr. Stone, uh, your telephone, there's, there's something wrong with it. 
No, Mr. Clay. There's nothing wrong. Not with the telephone. But, but I tried to make two calls. Two different numbers, and... I know. And you should have known. Nurse, all of Should have known what? Why couldn't they hear me when I could hear them? Why? Yes, Dr. Stone? Will you put Mr. Clay back into bed? No. I'm awfully sorry, sir. I only went out for a minute. No. Come on, Mr. Clay, No, no, please. leave me alone. Please, Mr. let Clay, go. Please. No, no, you're struggling. You know that, don't you? <sighs> yes. I know. Doctor, I won't have to go back down there again, will I? Down to the corridor? That's not up to me. All right, nurse. I think we're ready for another dose. The final one. Yes, doctor. No, doctor. No, not that red medicine. Not again. I'm sorry, but you've had a lot of time. All the time we can give you. All right, Mr. Clay. No, I won't Here. take it. You know what it means, doctor. I go back down there again to the corridor. It'll be to the letter C. To the place where my name is. If he won't take it by himself, perhaps you'd better help her, Martin. Yes, sir. No, Here. no, no, Wait. I won't. I... <laughs> Again, I knew where I was before I opened my eyes. I could feel the dust under my bare feet and through the dust, the biting chill of the cold stones. I was there, back in the corridor, walking down its silent length past the blank, closed doors... For the names on the doors, now they were all C's. Cabot, Cadden, Cahoon. On I walked, the beating of my heart, the pounding of my pulse loud in my ears. On down the passage, no longer even trying to fight against what I knew was a threat. On past Cameron, Chelsea, Chiswick, and then, suddenly, terribly, one door. A door with my name on it, gaping, waiting for me. I tried to stop to turn, but my legs carried me forward. I was but two doors away. I could see into it now, see that it contained nothing. Absolutely nothing, not even a coffin. Just stone walls and a flat stone stab. I was turning, turning to step over the threshold. I made a last convulsive effort. Merciful heavens, help me, save me. Martin. Pick him up. Yes, sir. Is it all over? Hello, Bartlett. In at the death, eh? I'll see if there's any pulse, of course, but I should think it is all over. It is, Stone, but not the way you think. What? Clay! He's not dead. No thanks to you. All right, get him up, both of you. Here, Mr. Clay, let me help you. It's all right, Martin. I'll be fine from now on. But how... Don't look so surprised, Alec. Mr. Martin is a detective. I hired him some time ago. You see, I had a feeling that something was wrong when that railing broke accidentally and I took that bad fall. So I decided I should investigate. You can't prove it. You can't prove anything. The first results of Martin's investigation showed me what bad financial shape you were in. And it was then that I realized that you had actually been trying to murder me to get hold of my money. So I faked that story of having a very bad heart. You mean it? I thought it would give you the idea of trying something more subtle and less dangerous. And it certainly did. But you still can't prove anything, not a thing. No, don't you worry about that. Don't forget. Come back here, Bartlett. You'll never have a chance to prove it. Come back, Bartlett. Ah! Oh, you shot him, killed him. Well, I, I couldn't have. I, I fired up in the air to get him to stop. Come on. 
I don't understand it. Uh, yeah, got a mark on him. But he is dead. He was the one who had the bad heart. That's what gave me the idea of pretend. Good heavens, look. At what? This hallway was supposed to be the corridor of doom. When I reached the door with my name on it, I was supposed to die. Look. Look at the name on that door there. The one right next to him. Bartlett. His name. So what? Nothing, Martin. Nothing at all. Where do you think old Dr. Stone got the idea for that little alphabetical graveyard? That's right, for me. Huh? You don't believe me? Then come on home with me tonight and I'll show you the one in the cellar of my house. What's more, I'll show you a door and a neat stone slab with your name on it. Nonsense, Mr. Host. Mr. Clay just explained that the whole thing was a hoax. And I'm not going to sit here and hear you say otherwise. Well, then don't sit. Stand up and we'll take a walk, Mary Bennett. Yes, back to your name. Back to the bees. Baker Bartlett Bennett. <laughs> you don't scare me. Yeah? Well, how would you like it if we went to the L's and found a door marked Lipton? Oh, why, that's fine. Inside, we'd find a wonderful, friendly beverage, Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, the tea that's welcome at all hours of the day. Yes, the largest selling brand of tea in the whole world, Lipton tea. <laughs> If you should wake up tonight with a sudden chill, find yourself walking barefoot down a dusty stone corridor with doors on both sides of it, don't get excited. Just insist on a doom with a view. <laughs> by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery Novel is The Whistling Legs by Roman McDougall. Yes, and next week's Inner Sanctum Story, directed by Hyman Brown, and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup, Next week's story is about women. Yes, two women who like to be treated rough. Choke them to death, shoot them, murder them. They'll love you for it. And who do you think is going to be their boyfriend? Hmm? <laughs> That's right. Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff will be with us again next week because who else could love such women? So if you're in a tender mood, tune in next Tuesday. Until then, good night. Pleasant dreams? Mm? It's wonderful how quick and easy cooking can be these days. I guess some of you remember when it used to take half a day to make a pot of chicken noodle soup. But now we have Lipton's noodle soup mix. You might say Lipton's takes no time at all to prepare, and yet it has a, a fresh-cooked chickeny taste, a real old-fashioned homemade flavor. Yes, and it's brimful of tender golden egg noodles. 
Lipton's is grand for quick meals, and it's also a perfect beginning for the most elaborate dinner. So don't forget to serve Lipton's noodle soup. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Well, that's our show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. I also have a YouTube page, or I should say YouTube channel, <laughs> Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe, like, and share the video. In fact, I will be featuring the television adaptation of Dead Earnest this Saturday. So definitely check it out. And also a correction, the Corridor of Doom was first broadcasted on October 23rd, 1945, not 1948. Again, this is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, signing off.